Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Steve Asawa continues our series of messages on the Book of the Twelve, today looking at the prophet Haggai. And now, here's Steve. Zerubbabel is chosen as the Lord's signet ring, and the book points us to the restoration of the line of David, from whom came Jesus. So the book of Haggai provides us some with, sorry, provides us with some historical details. It points us to the future, and I think it has some really important lessons for us today. This book is in large part about a building project. Now, I suspect some out there who, like me, have tried tackling a building project in the past. Maybe more. I remember one time thinking I'd fix up the bathroom at the house we lived at in Canada, Scotia. You know, it looks so easy on TV, right? You get the sledgehammers out, you throw the old stuff into a dumpster, and a few minutes, with the room for commercials, of course, you're working on the final touches before the owners come back to see the reveal. So, you know, taking apart the walls was really easy. And then a friend of ours came over and he soldered some pipes together because we were going to change the, the faucet. Shortly after that, I put a piece of plastic around the, the tub and had the, 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 that pipe sticking out so that we could still get water and still take a bath and not get the wooden studs all wet. Then I went to a commercial break. I forget how many months we spent driving to town to take a shower while Steve kept working or not working on, on, the, bathtub, on the bathroom. Eventually, we contracted somebody to finish the job. And while this predated the time when you had all these great YouTube suspect the end result would have been the same. Now, we did learn from that experience. Now we just call for help right at the beginning. Steve sticks to the relatively simple projects that have a, a rough finish to them or that can be done outside with a chainsaw or a nailing gun. Nothing that has a time crunch. Jim's comment when I finally finished building a gazebo a few years back was that he, I did a good job, but he wouldn't pay me by the hour. <laughs> so having learned this lesson about seeking help, let's seek the Spirit's help as we open up this book. Heavenly Father, we just pause and just marvel that we can talk with the God who created and sustains the heavens and the earth. It's so amazing. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the word made flesh whose sacrifice for us we remembered earlier this morning. We thank you for your spirit. And I just pray, Lord, that you would guide us by your spirit to open our hearts and minds to understanding your word and to applying it to our lives as you see fit. And may you get the honor and glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So by way of context, God had warned the people over and over about the importance of sincerely, sincerely following him and him alone. As Sharon had noted earlier, 
The people often went back and forth in their commitment to God over the years. Often they would turn away and then they would turn back to the true God. And when they turned away, they were going off chasing the pagan gods that the nations around them served. And they would set their hearts on material things and commit injustices that were just totally foreign to what God wanted. And this resulted in the nation being divided into a northern and a southern kingdom. Hey, look at that. So we had Israel is divided north and south. And then both of them were taken into captivity. Uh, Israel by the Assyrians and then Judah by the Babylonians. So they had both fallen. So the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem around 586 BC and took into exile most of the people of Judah. The Persians under Cyrus the Great eventually defeated the Babylonians in 539 BC and then the exiles began to return in the year 538. And the people had a huge task in front of them to clean up and start building. So here we have Babylonians taken over by the Persians. Uh, People have been taken captives and now they return. So Haggai prophesied around 520 BC and you'll hear about Zechariah over the next couple of weeks who was a contemporary of his. And the books of Haggai Sorry, the books of Zechariah and Malachi and Ezra, in particular, closely related to the book of Haggai that we're going to look at this morning. So, before being taken into exile, the people had a relatively large territory. They had a king from the line of David. And they probably had a relatively strong economy. So then they're taken to exile and when they returned, they were actually into a much smaller geography, into an area known as the province of Yehud. And now they are under the auspices of a governor who was appointed by the Persian king. And just in case they got you know, a little too big for their britches, the military was always nearby to keep them in line if necessary. So the temple was a critical link in them remembering the past and linking them to to the Lord. So, rebuilding the temple was crucial to demonstrating their commitment to God who sought to restore them spiritually. So, let's just start reading from Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say, The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it a time for your house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. 
You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build a house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. <clears throat> Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld the produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills and the grain, the new wine, the oil, and on what the ground brings forward, on man and beast, and on all their labors. So the first couple of verses tell us who the main players are and what the problem is. So we have the prophet Haggai, we have Zerubbabel, and he was the high he, sorry, he was the governor appointed by the king, and we have Joshua, the high priest. And of course, everything was directed by the Lord of hosts. Hosts meaning armies. Other translations talk about the Lord Almighty or the Lord of armies or the Lord of heaven's armies. Now this term is used frequently in the Bible and you see it a fair bit in this book as well. And it speaks to God's sovereignty. Despite what the kings and the commanders thought, it was God who was and still is in control of what happens on the world stage. And the problem was, things were off on the wrong foot, weren't they? As the people were saying, the time for building the house of the Lord has not yet come. The Lord challenges us though, doesn't he? People... Likely, the wealthy ones had made some very nice houses for themselves while the temple was still in ruin. So their priorities were backwards. They had their priorities upside down. The first message from, that Haggai gave came on the second year of Darius the king in the sixth month on the first day of the month. So this would have been at the time of the New Moon Festival. And most of the harvesting would have been completed. Um, there were still would have been some dates and some summer figs to come. And it was a time when people offered up burnt offerings. Through Haggai, the Lord says, Consider your ways. In verse 5, the people are told, consider your ways. <laughs> In other words, look what's happening around you. Open your eyes, people. You aren't doing so well. The harvest is poor. There isn't enough food or drink. Your clothing doesn't keep you warm. The money's gone as soon as it's earned. That sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Then in verse 7 again, Consider your ways. Look what's happening to you. This time the message is, go up into the hills. Bring down some timber. 
and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So Haggai tells them why things aren't going so well. The Lord himself had intervened and frustrated their plans. We read about the blessings and the curses that the Lord had set before his people back in the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And then on the other side, in verse 7, go and rebuild my house, and the Lord was going to take pleasure in it and be honored. I won't read all that's up on the screen here, but from Deuteronomy 28, read, If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it goes on to say, In the field, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, all these blessings will come if you obey me and follow my commands. Then it goes on to say, though, but if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall be, you shall be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of the room, your womb and the fruit of the ground, the increase of the herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send any curses, confusion and frustration and all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. And having said that, the people were living in challenging circumstances. The city of Jerusalem still bore the marks of destruction from many years earlier. And the people had laid the foundation of the temple the first year they returned. And then they succumbed to the pressure from their enemies and shifted their focus away from rebuilding and away from God. To get some idea of the pressure, you can read Ezra chapter 4. See in Ezra chapter 4, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid and brought counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. Then they actually wrote to King Archaxerxes and he responded when his letter was read before Rahum and Shimshai, the scribe and their associates. They went in haste to the Jews at Jerusalem and by force and power made them cease. Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius of Persia, which brings us to where we are with Haggai. Continue on in, in Haggai 1. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, 
declares the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I am with you, he says. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. So the relationship with God again has first place. The people showed reverence for the Lord and his message to them was, I am with you. So the people restart the work on the temple a little over three weeks after the time Haggai relays the Lord's message. When you think of it, three weeks it took them to get going again, but probably not that bad, given the time the fact that you know, there's probably some organizational stuff, some gathering of materials and things that was needed before they can start the work. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnants of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it, as not, is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, declares the Lord. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And he says, work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations that the treasures of all the nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory says the Lord of hosts the silver is mine the gold is mine declares the Lord of hosts the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts and in this place I will give peace declares the Lord of hosts So the second message was given on the seventh month, the 21st day of of that month. And this was probably about, it was probably the, the second last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was during this feast, if I understand it correctly, that Solomon had brought the Ark of the Covenant and the other holy items into the temple. Talking the first temple, and it was Solomon who had built the first temple. And in First Kings, we learned that there was an absolutely huge celebration when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into the temple and then dedicated by Solomon. And the people gathered and they sacrificed and the celebration went on and on. 
So the new temple wasn't going to be as physically impressive as the one Solomon built. In Ezra 3 and 12, we read, Many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. What's the Lord's message, though? Be strong, O Zerubbabel. Be strong, O Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land. Work, for I am with you. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. And just as God led his people to contribute towards the original tabernacle, and before that, the tent of meeting, So he'll shake the nations and arrange for this new temple to be built and furnished. As incredible as the temple itself was, it's nothing compared to God, though, is it? Solomon had articulated this when he said, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built... We know that the glory of the Lord filled the first tabernacle or the the tent that they met in. We know that the glory of the Lord filled the first temple that Solomon built. And here, the Lord promises to fill this temple with glory and to give peace. Isn't that amazing? It's so much more than the building that, that counts. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, No. Then Haggai said, If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body, touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. <coughs> Excuse me. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward. Before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to a wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. I struck you and all your products, the products of your toil, with blight and with mildew and with hail, and yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since that day, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. So about three months after the work's So about three months after the work starts, on the 24th day of the ninth month, 
Haggai is given two more messages. The priests confirm the fact that the garment in which the holy meat was carried did not make other foods holy. On the other hand, an unclean person could make food unclean simply by touching it. And the Lord showed that this was the situation with unclean people and the unclean nation who made what they touched unclean. In other words, even their sacrifices were no longer acceptable. And the Lord had tried to get their attention, but to no avail. However, from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, things would be different. And interestingly, this message came during the time for sowing of seed. Earlier, the Lord had frustrated the people's efforts. Now he is going to bless them. The word of the Lord came to a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms and the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. So, this fourth message also came on the 24th day of the ninth month. This one was directed only to Zerubbabel, though. God was going to shake the heavens and the earth, essentially turn the world order on its head. And one day, God will judge all the peoples of the earth. In the next book we'll be looking at, Zechariah, it speaks of the coming day of the Lord. And this may build on what Haggai is referring to here. Now, events like earthquakes and other things like that were seen as an indication of God's judgment. For example, in Isaiah 13, we read, Behold, the day the Lord comes, cruel, with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy sinners from it. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken out of its place at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. Then the book of Haggai closes with Zerubbabel learning that the Lord of hosts will make him like a signet ring because he, Zerubbabel, has been chosen. And this seems to be a reversal of what was written in Jeremiah 22 where the Lord says, if Jehoachin, who is also known as Kaniah, and he was Zerubbabel's grandfather, if he were the signet ring, he would tear him off and give him into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon and the Chaldeans. Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, represents the restoration of the house of David. And we're talking King David, whose son Solomon built that first temple. While the people of Haggai's day didn't have the benefit of the bigger picture, we know that Jesus himself later came from the line of David. Jesus came to the earth to live, to die, 
and to rise again from the dead for the sin of mankind. We've all sinned and we all need to repent of our sin and put our trust in Jesus. And I pray here that all have made that decision or will before they leave. So what happened to the temple anyway? Although we aren't told in this book, uh, the people completed the rebuilding of the temple in 515 B.C. Many years later, oh, that picture didn't come up very good. Sorry. Many years later, Herod renovated the temple and made it a truly amazing thing to behold. More amazing than what this picture shows. Uh, sorry, and that's a, a model of uh, Herod's temple. What Herod uh, did with the renovations. The temple itself was destroyed in 70 AD. Our connection to the Lord, however, is still intact, isn't it? As the nature of the temple has changed. Just as the Lord told the people to be strong and that I am with you, so we, should, we too should trust and be strong in him, knowing that he is with us. In John's Gospel, Jesus was asked for a sign that he had the authority to cleanse merchants from the temple. He answered them and said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It's taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. The Apostle Paul notes that we ourselves are God's temple. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, he writes, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Earlier, I had noted that the people were unclean. They had turned away from God and prioritized other things in their lives. And as such, even their sacrifices were unacceptable to God. Consider your ways. I think it's easy for us to look back and be critical of people for having their priorities in the wrong order. Can we honestly say, though, that we never do the same? Do we always put the Lord first in all we say and do? Consider your ways. Look around you. Are we in need of spiritual restoration? In Colossians, the Apostle Paul notes, He is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In other words, that he might have first place in everything. Again, do we... Always put Jesus first. As we sung earlier, have we surrendered all 
Have we surrendered control of all things to Him? Zerubbabel was told that the Lord was going to shake the heavens and the earth. In Hebrews 12, we read, At that time, His voice shook the earth. But now He has promised, Yet once more, I will shake not only earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Despite all the crazy, scary things going on in our world today, we can rest assured that God is in control, even when we don't understand. As he told the people, Be strong, for I am with you. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. We don't know what we're going to have to deal with on this earth, do we? Fortunately, we know the one who does. And we know that those who trust and know the Lord Jesus will one day spend eternity with him. Last verses. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The Lamb of God that we sang about earlier. For its light, the nations, for by its light, the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. At that time, those who put their trust in Jesus will be so focused, praising and glorifying and honoring the Lord. I don't believe we're going to have time to ask questions that we had on earth because it's not about us. It's all about Him and us praising Him. And in a even though we're going to be so wrapped up in that, I don't, you know, I don't think we're going to be worried about who's around us because our focus can be solely there. But I will go out and say, you know, look forward to seeing you there at that time. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the fact that you are the temple that cannot be destroyed. That you have risen up your Son forever and given Him preeminence and all glory. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that You'll help us all to to just give You the honor and the glory that You fully deserve and help our lives to reflect that and help us to, to just never take our eyes off of You, the living temple, and to invite uh, You into our our personal midst and our corporate midst and that everything we do is for you, with you in focus. And Lord, we just thank you for the fact that you've taught us through your word that 
all the things that we build um, in this world from from day one till now, when we turn our gaze away from you, it gets destroyed. And Lord, help us to just learn those lessons and to keep our eyes fixed on you and build things that are going to to last and be for your heavenly kingdom here on earth. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.